We are going to talk about a movie. This is gonna be a disaster. It was one of the best movies of the year. It's gonna um, go so <laughs> Probably one of the last movies I would ever want to see in a theater. And welcome to the next episode of 10 Years On. I am your host, Jacob London. And today we are looking at January 15th, 2010. I am joined by my wonderful panel, Taylor Robinson. How are you? I'm great. This is this is going to be another interesting... Uh, this was another interesting week for film. It we'll was. just We'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also joined by Nick. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. Happy to be here. As uh, Red Letter Media, the YouTube channel, coined the phrase, fuck you, January. And that's how I felt <laughs> this week. <so. laughs> and Peter, how are you going? Yeah, good. Good. <laughs> we'll see With how we such see conviction. Yeah, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Oh, well, let's start with the wide release films that were open this week. We had The Book of Eli in 3,111 theatres. The Spy (laughs) Next Door in 2,924 theatres. And The Lovely Bones had an expansion into a wide release of 2,560 theatres. So it was originally just playing in limited release. It is, of course, a 2009 film, so we're not covering it today. Um, also in limited release, we had Fish Tank, Chance, uh, Chance Pedance, and 44 chest, Inch Chest. Uh, so, yeah. have any of you ever heard of those three limited release films? I've Fish heard of 44 Inch Chest. I was going to say, I think I have yeah. two. Fish Tank's ringing a bell as like probably like an indie film that we got at the video store. Like I'm seeing the cover for some reason, yeah. yeah. Is it a Fish Tank? <laughs> no, no, no. You'd, you'd think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there was fish in any of that movie. Uh, oh, God. Metaphorical. Um, the <laughs> other film we will be talking about today is, of course, the Australian film Brand New Day that opened in uh, Australian cinemas on this date in 2010. So we will, of course, be talking about that. But before we do any of that, let's begin with our first film, The Spy Next Door. <laughs> The Spy Next Door stars Jackie Chan as Bob Ho, a Chinese intelligence agent on loan to the CIA who retires because he's fallen for his single mother neighbor, Jillian. When Jillian has to go out of town for a few days, Bob agrees to look after her three children as a way to impress her. Little does he realize how difficult looking after three children really is. Peter, I think you look like you're about to cry. <laughs> I don't know why hearing the plot description is so funny. Oh, my apologies, Jackie Chan. Um, it's just, it, it makes it so much worse hearing it. Like, read out as a very serious plot description. Um, oh. This movie just... <laughs> like I'm, I'm glad we're in agreement. Like there's none of us that are just like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, <laughs> like from the get go, it was just like who like. I know that there's this thing in Hollywood where you cast sort of beautiful women against everyday men. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you got your Adam Sandler's, and yeah, Kevin James who gets. <laughs> but this, I was like, something right. Amber Valletta. <laughs> Like genuinely and like purposely in love with Jackie Chan. Purposely. It's just, 
<laughs> word is, no, the word is perfect. Like she chose to be yeah, in yeah. love with Jackie. Like, I, just, I just want to say, I just need to say that the thing that really set the tone for this movie to me where I went, oh, we're in for a fucking, I don't even know what we're in for, was when I realized that his co-lead spies in this movie was Billy Ray Cyrus <laughs> and George, George Lopez. Lopez. When Billy Ray Cyrus walked in and went, yo, like, partner, like, what's up? I'm part of this spy organization. And they three of them started trying to make spy plans together. I went, you know what? They knew what they had with this movie. I'll give them that. Because that's who they chose to cast. Yeah, I, I really, I just... That was my favorite bit because you were basically in the kitchen making food while we put this movie on because not giving 100% of our attention to this movie. And just as soon as Billy Ray came on, you just turned and stopped and went, he's in this movie? This is my instant new favorite film. I was like, I want to see Billy Ray Cyrus trying to seriously deliver spy dialogue, intelligence-based dialogue, and make me believe... That he works in this spy agency with Jackie Chan, <laughs> who, who they're they're so high up that that the well, government lent Jackie Chan to them. Yeah, that's right. No, like, you have to remember like, he is a he's on loan. Yes, yeah. that's yes. Right. yes. the Chinese. Intelli- no, it's Chinese intelligence. intelligence. That's it. That was the word I was looking for, and I couldn't find it, which makes perfect sense. It makes for a movie. this movie the lack of uh, intelligence. It's almost ironic that yeah. it's Chinese intelligence. But Billy Ray Cyrus in this movie has one job, and it's to go. Now, what are we gonna do next? That's literally all he does. Like, like. We get we get the the setup of what the bad guys are gonna do. We get George Lopez going. Oh, we're gonna get our best renegade Jackie Chan in this, and then Billy Ray Cyrus <laughs> literally just he like does this. He's like, and now what are we gonna do? <laughs> and I was like, there is no reason for him to be even a character. It doesn't have to even be Billy Ray Cyrus. Don't need his character at all. It's just great that it is Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh god! But he definitely brought the movie to a level of meme for me that it, oh. I was oh. laughing at what I was seeing, not with it, that's for sure. And George Lopez is sort of in that same boat. They're, they're com- he's a comedian, so he's naturally funny. He's naturally charming and charismatic. He always has been. <laughs> just I, as a person. Oh, oh, I mean, as oh, George. All right. <laughs> naturally funny. I just mean, I, George Lopez is a person. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Anyone who's listening to the audio version, the look on Peter's face right now is just... um. <laughs> I think he was going to punch Nick in the face. Uh, (laughs) Look, I just, I just can't get over. I just can't get over the fact that Billy Ray and George were just like, not even trying to pretend like they were trying to seriously deliver their lines. Like there was no, like, it was like, here's your lines. You have two seconds to learn them. (laughs) Go. We've we've actually written the script this morning. We wrote it right now as you walked in the door. You have one second to look at your line and the camera's on and we have one take. You get one take to do this. We don't even know how we got funding for this. So let's just go. Chinese intelligence. I know, like... I love that we're all talking about Billy Ray Cyrus. Like he's like this massive part of the movie. Like he's not. No, he's in like, he's like four yeah. scenes. And I just remember you going, oh, please tell me he goes in the field. And then the next scene he's in the, the field. field. It's just like, oh, 
my god because i thought it was just amazing. gonna be that one scene like at the very beginning of the movie and then we'd never see billy ray again <laughs> no like classic cyrus cameo <laughs> like <laughs> and i was just like oh wow this really was 2010 like billy ray and george lopez are in this movie like oh, wow. yeah, that's, that's very much a product uh, of this time because you're like george lopez you're just not around no anymore. like even no. jackie chan's kind of not as definitely not as prominent as he was in those early 2000s and yeah. the other thing that i really just irked me about this movie was the eldest daughter oh my such god a little bitch oh yeah. my like i know god. that in these movies the the kids always like it's always, always got an attitude problem because she's not her biological daughter, it, yeah. like she calls her by her first name, which immediately I was just like, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm just waiting. But as soon as that happens, it's, uh, oh, Jillian, and then by the end of the movie, you it's know like, it's coming. Like, like uh, oh, oh, mom. Yeah. It's like, oh, And then everything God. is forgiven. Like, Amber Blatter's like, <laughs> yeah. you put my children's life in danger. They, they, The kids literally <laughs> go into, like, action sequences where yeah. they could die <laughs> like because this is a pg movie like n- there's never any threat no but then it's like okay no there you're angry jackie chan took your kids into dangerous situations well what's the logical next you step know, break up get married i knew i called yeah. it get i married. called it at the beginning of <laughs> yeah. the movie i went if this movie does not end with a wedding <laughs> they've done this wrong or at least like a very like that scene with like they look at each other and like the happy music players and it's like the the camera cranes <laughs> up and, and it's the whole group of people yeah. and the kids run in and hug. No, we get a full wedding at the end yeah. of this movie. I think we need to talk about yours and my f- favorite thing about this movie, which was the accents of the villains. Oh <laughs> my god, that, what, that woman! Yeah. What oh. was she going for? You know it reminded me of. It reminded me of the <laughs> the bad guy the bad chick in dodgeball the really yeah ugly <laughs> but at least in dodgeball yeah, it was that works yeah because like dodgeball is not going like it knows it's, it's going for something stupid yeah. this was like oh you like this was a choice these are the, like, like it, i feel like in the script it was like villains are eastern european yeah. <laughs> you know which is i mean maybe in 2010 that and was like, the do villain to have a, version of the accent because that would be kind of you know <laughs> could be bad we don't want to yeah um but no it's she's it, oh she's just bad it's so stereotypical like walks around in black leather and, the high <laughs> and then stands in like the the acid and burns the, the shoes the off shoes. and she's like that was the weirdest scene she doesn't and then, move and then but then her feet, bare feet stay in the acid and nothing happens because the it burns shoes, rubber. If the shoes rubber, must have been rubber. Skin. She's wearing rubber shoes. That's why they melted. And her then Jimmy like, shoes have yeah. melted. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and there's, there's that one classic scene with the bad guy where it's like, these are the only clothes you could get me. And he's wearing like, he's doing do it five times. <laughs> they do oh, it like five times the same joke. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it, it was the most repetitive. And it's like, it's like that scene in 17 again, but it's funny in 17 again because Zach Efron's playing Matthew Perry as younger. Whereas this is like, these are not the only clothes you could have bought. This wasn't a stylistic <laughs> choice that you're like, mm, he will look good in this. Yeah, it it's, was like it's, it's a joke that's not is, funny. Yeah. Is Kevin Federline available? Yeah. We'll get his coat. Like his. All right, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up my favorite scene oh, from this yep. entire movie yep. when the main villain gets angry. 
throws his phone down and shoots it with a gun. Yeah. And then his uh, assistant calls him on another phone. Is like, yeah, this happens all the time. This happens all the time. Like, how much money do you guys have? <laughs> as like, soon as that scene happened, you just turned to me and said, "Oh my god, that's my new favorite scene." Just, I just like need I need it. a gif of this immediately. It's just so excess, and I guess that's what the joke was supposed to be. But at the same time. I didn't laugh because there's no setup for him to be this overly angry. He's not really an angry, angry bad guy. But then there's just this one thing that ticks him off, and he's like, "I'm gonna shoot my phone now." So and then like she just automatically calls him on another phone because yeah. she's like, "Yeah, almost yeah. immediately." Hey, it was yeah. like very yeah. yeah yeah. And like what you just got the same number. On- <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually also about. Five seconds after that scene is the whole, he's behind you. Well, no, he's not. And then she does the full dramatic turn, like, what? <laughs> and the camera, it's, oh, it's so perfect. But it is just perfect. This uh, That comes into one of my points here, because I'm like, what is the appeal of this movie? It's too predictable. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's got the perfect three-act structure. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were teaching this in a screenwriting class, you'd be like, this is how you write <laughs> the safest movie possible. <laughs> it's overly styled. It's too stylized yeah. for its own good. That scene where Jackie Chan runs up the house to get the cat on the roof, I was like, that's... It's all wires when, you, when you're coming from a filmmaking perspective. But I'm like, oh, no, that literally looks like he's taken one step and these wires have just pulled him up <laughs> to the roof to find the cat. And the other one where the bad guy gets... Uh, shot through the door the kid has the yeah. whatever oh, yeah. web, and it hits I can't remember what this is something like I don't know it's a potato gun or some shit but it shoots the bad guy and the guy gets launched down the hallway and <laughs> through the door and the door breaks like it is like polystyrene like it is just, <laughs> and I'm like it is too the violence was too stylized to be entertaining we were talking before the podcast that this has come out the same week as my spy in australia and the one thing i'll give the opening scene of my spy is i was like they at least went for action violence in an action film for that opening scene at least whereas this i was like this is all straight up comedic violence and it doesn't make sense to me yeah and like even the the kind of somewhat interesting story they try to go with with him bonding with the kids Mm. is weird because the son is so awkwardly written yeah like i don't understand who this kid is actually supposed to be like he's supposed to be a genius but like like, he grew up to be michael Sarah and youth involved (laughs) (laughs) 100 percent, especially with the style tips that jackie chan was trying to give him with the popped collar and the freaking like like yeah let's take fashion advice from jackie (laughs) chan so yeah i don't like none of the kids were interesting like they were all really shitty uh, they were all terrible at acting as yeah. well. Like they just—it seemed like they just pulled kids off the street and went, "This'll do." Yeah. Actually, we, like, funny. We looked up. Have these kids done anything? And like one of one the, of them has done. The older, the older one, one has done stuff. Yeah, the, the other, other two, two have nothing. It's like they don't even have a Wikipedia link. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has one of those. Oh God. Oh, so oh, yeah, that was. Uh, so I, I cannot recommend that you watch no, this movie no. in good yeah. conscience. I can't uh, do it. Save save your streaming minutes. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Save your life watch. minutes as well, <laughs> to be fair. If, just want, like, if there's a Jackie Chan movie that you really want, just watch the Rush Hour trilogy. Yeah. And, if you want yeah. a movie like this, watch The Pacifier. It's the <laughs> yes. same movie, but mildly better. Yeah. Uh, or the one we're talking about next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, all right, let's move on to our next 
film. Uh, let's yeah, the Book of Eli. Uh, Denzel Washington stars in this post-apocalyptic action drama as Eli, a man traveling to the West Coast to deliver the last known copy of the King James Bible. Uh, yeah, this was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing they did. Yeah. There was the potential for a good movie in this movie, and they just made all of the wrong choices. Well, and it was actually kind of frustrating mm. because I think the the story at the very, very base level, could have been very interesting to explore yep. in a movie. And they just chose the most boring way to do it. To tell it, yeah. Um, I was really bored through most of it. There were some scenes where I thought um, that the way it was shot was really cool, or I thought that some of the choreography was done really well, um, or just, just moments where... I was like, oh, okay, I see what they were trying to do here, and that could have been interesting if the rest had been executed well. But the over, there are parts that should work that need to work for you to buy into the overarching story they're trying to tell, and by the end, I just don't buy it. Yeah. Like, I just... Yeah. So last week, we were talking about Daybreakers, a film that mm. knows its world and it knows the story it wants to do, and it... And it works well within the world it wants to tell and this is i think the other side of yeah, that where I think so too. it knows its world it just doesn't tell the story it should have told in that world yeah. um one, uh, so some things i really liked about this i liked the idea that it had of faith is corruptible and yeah, and I, I liked that idea that oh no, some people ha use religion to corrupt, and some people use religion for belief. And, and that's like, the most interesting part of the movie. It's because that's Gary Oldman's character, yeah. and that's that's the thing that I was most drawn to is that mm -hmm. I wish they fleshed that out more. I wish he actually got a chance to start doing it. It would have been to to cure the boredom factor of the film is have him get the Bible yeah. and have him start turning people and then make it Eli's mission to get the Bible back. Mm. Like, I think that would have been a way more interesting movie than what we got because you've all said it. The story of this movie is really interesting and it's a cool take on something like this, mm. but it's boring as fuck. Yeah. Like, it's I think they, it was one of those movies, like it has a, a twist. Mm. Yeah. And I, I it was kind of like they went, Oh, this is a this is a cool twist. How do we build a movie around yeah. Yeah. this? How do we, this be yeah. amazing when we reveal like so? You know, the reveal is that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like I said, each week it's full spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of these episodes will be full of spoilers for the films because they're ten years old. Yeah. Yeah. So like okay. Denzel Washington being blind. Yeah. And I remember because I saw this movie in the cinemas. Yeah, ten years same. ago, and I remember that reveal. Like the cinema was just like. Yeah. Like, yes. and you're kind of like, okay, it's like it's a cool reveal, but never in the movie do you genuinely believe no, that Denzel no. Washington is blind. And I think that's also uh, why they sort of played into it being this massive twist. But yeah. you go, yeah, but and then when you rewatch it, knowing he's blind, there's not once does he ever act. There's tiny little things they throw in there, and I remember going back, and I think I read about it online, but there's like the tiniest, the whole like crux of it no you would not believe it but he's like little things where he's like kicking the steps the stairs see where they are and there's like certain bits where he touches certain things and doesn't look but he's having conversations with people where say i'm facing this way and then peter's talking to me and he actually just makes perfect eye line with yeah. you and it's like but you're you're blind yeah and he goes into new surroundings yeah. and there's never any 
uncertainty momentary yeah. like oh yeah. i haven't been here before mm. yes you know, and then when it zooms in on his eyes at the end i was like i don't think his eyes have been that no they, they haven't they've been clear the whole movie and yeah. they've just decided to do this at the very end well this was my first time watching it and at the end i was like that doesn't make any sense no. like yeah. with the character we've been given up until this point because it would have been an interesting story mm. but the setup wasn't actually there like when we get to actually see what's in this book and yeah. it turns out that it's in braille yeah i looked and went what yeah i thought it was gonna be a blank book like he had maybe switched the book and gave him yeah. the wrong one yeah or something like that but like just it was just it should have been a moment where i was like oh that's so cool but instead i was like yeah. what yeah i, I it, it's just so frustrating that the cons and i think we're gonna see this a lot especially in 2010 there are so many movies that i remember have such cool concepts that just were executed by writers and directors who just hadn't honed a craft yet mm. like i what else have the hughes brothers so this done? is they haven't done anything since this yeah um, okay. from hell. yeah so yeah. from yeah. hell was their other film yeah. that they'd done before this it is kind of weird that you're like in 10 years you haven't done that. yeah and i mean and this movie was it wasn't like a flop no it, it, no, it did like right. uh, so right. overall it grossed 157 um on a budget of 80 okay so like i, mean, I suppose us dollars it didn't Make it back yeah, for overall, you but know, it's like it's not enough f f to kill no. a career. Oh you know, God, you know, no! Denzel Washington, Gary Oldman, Mila Kunis have all gone on and been fine. Done great things, yeah. Gary Oldman, it's, it's, it's quite funny watching Gary Oldman throughout his career because, like, we always think of him as being this great actor, but it's like, but he does a lot of oh yeah, of yeah, interesting bad roles. stuff. Yeah, and, like, I mean, he, and when he hams it up, he goes oh, yeah. full hand. Yeah. I mean, look at, you know, in 2013, we've got Paranoia, I think it was. Oh, that, oh yeah. yeah that's Harrison right. Which Ford was amazing movie. cast and just... Awful oh, movie. Yeah. Awful movie. Um, uh, Gary Oldman's, the, uh, for me, the best part of the movie. And that's what I think I would love to have just seen his character explored a bit more and be able to do a few more things rather than just be the guy who has a slave woman who is in charge of this town, who is ju who just yells at, at mercenaries to do shit for him, yeah. which we've seen a million times. Give him a little bit more levity to do things. And talking about mercenaries going and doing shit, the action is so hit or miss in this movie. There are some cool action elements. There's the bar fight scene, which I think is pretty cool, but then we don't see half of it. Like it starts off strong, then we don't see the rest. And there was a scene where he's in the dark and chopping people the, up. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's, it's stylized, which yeah. is I think a thing we're going to say a this lot in 2010. A, it's very much a style over substance movie. Yeah, yes. and that's and that's yeah. one positive I really had coming out is I really like the way they frame action in this film of mm. not yeah. of of not quick cuts. Just yeah. actually, they sat the, the you know they they sat the camera down. And that first scene where he's just chopping down the cannibals at the start mm. is brilliant it's because cool. you can see cool. everything. Yep. You can un you get an understanding of just how you know good he is at what at you know killing people, yeah. and but you know you understand that like it's you get inside of his mindset and it's not you don't feel like oh you're cutting around the fact that Liam Neeson can't jump over a fence like <laughs> you know what i mean like it's it's Wait, you are Liam Neeson can't jump over a fence <laughs> <laughs> taking you lie town but what? yeah it, it's that sort of they've actually got some you know courage to actually get denzel mm. to do something yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, uh, that one of the few things i'll praise about this film um it's also <laughs> it is uh written by gary whittaker who went on oh. to do after earth yeah and wrote the story for rogue one that's his other credits this year. 
Oh, after this decade. Oh, after Earth. The M. Night Shyamalan film. Oh, why? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Look. Gary's super cool, though. Shout out to Gary. Yeah. Like, I awesome actually... I, yeah. He... Eh, I think he's had a rough time, of, <laughs> like, outside of things yeah. he's been able to control. But mm, that's, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think... The cast do a, a, definite, a decent enough job in this. Um, Mila Kunis, she never... Uh, so, she doesn't feel out of place, but there are points where you're like, okay, you kind of feel a little bit your Mila Kunis in a post-apocalypse. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it. I think because at that point, you know, like we, it was that 70s show and Family Guy, mm. and she'd done Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which was, you know, like her big break yeah. yeah and then in the same year we got black swan which definitely proves yeah, that's yeah. what she's capable of but i think obviously since then predominantly comedies mm. and it is okay so if you sort of watch her and you go i feel like you're almost gonna make a joke or something yeah like there was yeah. just i mm. think maybe because her voice as Meg is so recognisable. Yeah. And yeah. you're always just yeah. used to them going, shut up, Meg. And in a, mo- in a movie <laughs> so where two guys are talking to each other like this, the whole yeah, thing is like, I'll oh, find you. And I'm going like to kill everyone. You know? It, it, it sort of adds, yeah, yeah. A, a, a different and it's not, yeah, and it's not, it's not, she's, she's not bad. No. I just, just, I don't think she, it, I don't think the chemistry was right between her and Denzel God. to be in this mm. movie together. Like it, it just, no. yeah. Yeah. You never believe that he's yeah. invested to yeah. care enough about her mm. at all. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's just, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. One other thing, I, uh, something else that uh, you and I talked about that I did like is when the, the, the film kind of, uh, this is again with a problem with the execution is that the film brings up that the, the Bible will fix everything. And then I kind of like that when they actually get to Al- Alcatraz, it's kind of just considered art. Like yeah. they, they a go, piece of no, history. yeah, like it's yeah. oh no, like I liked that t- for them. The way that we're gonna fix the world is through art. Is yeah. get it, like oh preservation. This, yeah, and yeah. I, I liked that idea. And, and that's what I said. It, it's a film it's filled with great ideas that they just don't execute on. Like you almost wonder had the first draft of this story or the script been something much deeper mm, and yeah. that they kind of went we kind of just want to make more of an action just, yeah. and it just got lost yeah yeah i mean it's i think the thing that bothered me maybe the most was they set the movie up as him believing that this book is going to save the world like he says i have the book that's going to save the world and then the movie isn't that like the yeah. movie's not actually about yeah what like, like, yeah, he's on this journey that no one's going to stop him from completing. But beyond that, you don't really get yeah. a sense of why this is so important. It kind of just gets pushed to the back of... To make room like, for another action scene. Right. To yeah. where, where it's a blind man shooting people in, in the head who are 100 metres away and on the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not that it's not cool to watch, because I'll admit, like, especially when I was 15, when this came out, yeah. I was like, fuck, dude, this movie's sick. It's got mad twists, got cool action. And, and I was dumb. I'm still dumb, but that's okay. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, that's what I mean. Like, the, the logic in this film is very sort of hard to grasp onto because... The, it's a reveal that you, like Taylor said, you go, what the fuck, to an extent, because he's done so much in this film. And then they, you go back and watch it, and they're like, oh, I guess he does things that sometimes blind people do. Then, so they try know, to cover their tracks. All of the action sequences, they're trying to kill him, and he gets away. And then they like capture him, and they're like, yeah. where's the book? And you're like, 
you were just trying to kill him. So if you <laughs> shot him or killed him, you yeah. wouldn't know where the book is anyway. So it's weird that, Did like, obviously, again, we've just got to set up a really cool action sequence that Denzel Washington Speaking of them trying to kill him, is there the assumption in this film that God is protecting him? Because he gets shot at a few times where they miss like that guy who's basically like 10 meters away from him and shoots at him and misses like three times. And I was under the assumptions like, okay, so is there like some sort of supernatural aspect? Like God is protected, but then he gets shot shot later yeah. in the, f- I don't know. I don't want to dig mean, too deep into it. I well, don't think it deserves that's, it. But. That's kind of a problem I had too, where I don't know what you're actually supposed to be buying into in this movie. I mm. don't know if you're supposed to be buying into his faith is what gets him through this journey and that's kind of the message of the story. I don't know if you're supposed to believe that like that it's more about a movie of corruption in reli- like I just don't think it sucked the landing of what it wanted me to get out of it because yeah. it does end with it being more of a preservationist kind of mm, yeah. goal I guess and so I don't really like I don't know if I was supposed to watch it from a faith-based standpoint or yeah. not like I I just don't know. (laughs) Very conflicting movie, yeah. Yeah, I think kind of how we've been saying it, it's one of those films that just the the ideas are there and you can see the ideas that what they wanted to do and they just didn't execute on it. And it's it's a little disappointing just because there is a lot in there that could have been made this a really interesting and original film and it just doesn't stick the landing. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our last <laughs> film, uh, the Australian. Uh, I'm gonna call it a classic. You can call it a classic. Yeah, you call it a classic. You can call it whatever you want. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about Brand New Day. Brand New Day is an Australian coming of age musical which follows Willie, a young film, a young Aboriginal teenager who is in love with Rosie, played by Jessica Malboy in her feature film debut. When Willie escapes the Catholic boarding school he attends in Perth to return back to his hometown of Broome, he meets a wacky group of characters, all while being pursued by Father Benedictus, played by Jeffrey Rush. Oof. Uh, Taylor, what did you think about this movie? So we got about 10 minutes into this movie and I went, this is absolutely 100% the Australian version of Footloose and I will take no comments (laughs) on the matter saying that I'm incorrect. And, you know, this movie was just, I don't know if this is going to offend anybody, (laughs) but I don't really care. This is one of the most Australian movies I think oh, I've yeah. ever seen. Oh, God, it's yeah. it's very like in its execution, in the tone it tries to go for. Like I haven't lived here very long, but I know <laughs> that there's just a difference. Like you just watch an Australian <laughs> film, and there's just a difference. It's upside down. Like it's, it's, down, it's just it? there's just things about it that you're like you could not get away with that in America. No. <laughs> Well, no I mes- way. when I was watching it, I messaged you guys and I'm like, I just saw a shot of Jeffrey Rush taking a <laughs> shit on the side of the road. Like, what What purpose is that? That's what's happening to Jeffrey Rush right now. Yeah, hey, look, I was going to say, when after you read out the synopsis for the movie, I'm like, the happiest part of the movie is that the boy got to escape the Catholic Church uh, boarding school. But then the, the real terror is that he's getting pursued by Jeffrey Rush. So, I mean, the movie doesn't really hold up, does it, 10 years oh, later? Oh, we'll, we'll get to that scene later. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, Don't sue me for defamation <laughs> as well. <laughs> Fuck. <but. laughs> no, look, in all seriousness, um, 
I feel I, there's a lot about this film I liked. Uh, I thought the music was good. I, I actually thought like I, I enjoyed a lot of the music. Um, don't get me wrong. <laughs> there's, there's one song There's one song When Ernie Dingo sing, sings Later in the movie I went Oh boy Ernie Dingo so, can't that's sing weird, That's weird oh. for, for those who actually Don't know Fun fact We used to have A reality show Called It Takes Two Where <laughs> a, <did> a, <laughs> a celebrity Would team up With a Professional singer And they would do a duet It was like a, It's kind of like An Australian or American Idol Or whatever and Ernie Dingo was one of the contestants on that and he had a famous episode where he was supposed to sing uh, in the jungle and he came out and his his voice broke on the first line and it was famous for he had to restart and sing the <laughs> song again. So then when I realised he was singing Brand New Day, my mind immediately went back to that and I'm like, he shouldn't be singing in this movie. <laughs> but, and I like also, Ernie Dingo and that's as a person. But he shouldn't be singing and he's... Auto-tuned. Oh, auto-tuned. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. still like... It's funny that he has that little bit at the start where he's not and you go yeah. oh he's not auto-tuned all oh, this is bad and then he gets auto-tuned and then it's like oh okay, okay. you kind of fixed it it's still bad but you kind of fixed it it has to like they talk about like condoms and stuff yeah. it's really just like oh like, it's it's, a... as again like you go 2010 this probably wasn't going to be an issue you watch it now and you go this is Problematic. I mean, <laughs> guys, all of the boys know where the condom tree is, okay? Oh, all of the boys in the land I know where the condom tree is. I literally turned and I said... I don't know where the condom tree is. <laughs> <laughs> I turned uh, when, um, when that scene was happening and then the, the bus turns up or the, the, the car turns up. I went, how the fuck did they know to go there? And then oh, Dingo comes out and goes... All the, boys know, all, all the boys eventually end up to the condom tree and I went... Okay. <laughs> and that's okay. And no, like no excuse for unwanted pregnancy now. You don't know the, the condom tree is. Like Jeff, uh, Annie Dingo, like giving him shit about being a virgin, and you're like, he's like 14 yeah, years he's, old. He's like, not this a doesn't help. Like this doesn't help that the stereotypical view okay. of. Aboriginal people. That was like a, a big know, problem I had like, with this film. We don't want to think that way, but when you write them in this manner, yeah, it's sort of like you're then perpetuating the myth that you're trying to. Yeah, stop. and I, that was my biggest problem I had initially watching it was I I felt uncomfortable seeing some of the things that were happening happening with the Aboriginal characters in the film. I actually don't know if a a Aboriginal people wrote this. I don't know if white people wrote this. Uh, so Rachel Perkins was the director and she is right. Aboriginal. Okay. Right, okay. So, and just to what Peter's saying, and I, I've, as a white Australian, my opinion on Aboriginal culture is obviously not as important as an Aboriginal itself. But from what I've been taught in schools and from what I've been taught talking with ab Aboriginal friends of mine, that... You're right. It's 100% perpetuating stereotypes that we have been trying so long to get rid of. We had our Prime Minister very famously do a, a sorry speech apologising for what we have done, colonial, colonial fucking words, when we came and invaded. And you know what I mean? Like, to have a, watching a movie like this where it does perpetuate the stereotypes made me really fucking uncomfortable because I'm like, I'm not supposed to be laughing at this because this is exactly what I've been told is an issue in these communities that we need to try and fix and that we as Australians we have been told is our our uh, uh, I don't know what the word is but it's like our purpose to help fix that because we have become we have come into this land so but that's also <sighs> like you're watching it 
as someone in 2020. Yeah, that so is and you're very back true. Then you go, you know, because from what I understand, it's this movie true. did it did pretty well. It did pretty well. Yeah, it, and you know, the, like as you said, like the soundtrack's a lot of fun, and it sort of had a lot of attention surrounding it because it was Jessica Malboy's yes, um, first film, film. film yeah. debut, and like it had Jeffrey Rush, and at that point he was. Sort of had gone to America and become, you yeah. know, had this. Yeah, he was like one of well, the I mean, biggest well, exports. This, this huge actor. This is the same year that he gets nominated for King's Speech. So yeah. like, yeah, he's, he's, right. and at this, he's won an Oscar. Like, a, yeah. he's it's pretty big. Jessica Malboy is not great. In the like, because <laughs> Jessica Malboy, like in the Sapphires, she was great. Yeah, and she's yeah, gone on to um, was that the Secret Daughter TV yeah. show? Like, she's actually right. a capable. She can performer. do a bit in this one. And though. I think in this, the issue that I had was the the audio sounded like. They dumped. dubbed it over again. Like dumb. they didn't get clear audio and they were like, hey, we're just going to go and do it again. And I think because she's so used to singing live, her lip syncing was exaggerated. And obviously in musicals, that's mm. allowed to be the case. But yeah. I think that sort of just made me go, this feels like you're cheapening yeah. the, yourself because you're capable of... Very choppy. Yeah. Like, and it's very ch- like choppy editing in that first like bit as well. Like when she leaves... When she gets the chance to go into the pub and see what that life is like for the first time, that scene felt very, like, awkwardly cut to me. And because she goes immediately from, oh, we can hang out. Like, you know, I really like this guy. And this guy walks out and he's like, oh, you should come in and, and sing. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that now. Then. And the like, main better offers and, come up. Um, the main boy, I've forgotten his name. Willie. Willie. Mm. When he sings the... Um, There's nothing I'd rather be than ab- an Aborigine yeah. in the church. That song starts, like immediately yeah. like there's no build up and it was sort of like this awkward editing that kind of just um made yeah i just so this film is based off a stage show yeah so yes. that, could, that could a lot case. of it could come from the adaptation side of it yeah. yeah um i do find so one of the uh there's one bit of trivia on the imdb page <laughs> um it's that uh robin williams wanted to play the priest Wow, you know yeah. what? I could see that. I could see that. I Rob, see like that. Robin Williams, did love. He loved a good, campy. Yeah, he loved. Yeah, yeah musical. And it's yeah. weird that like that movie got enough, no, like got noticed somehow. Yeah, that he yeah. Wanted to be in. well, he, he the director want uh, Rachel wanted Jeffrey Rush, and that was it. So okay. it was, okay. yeah. Um, do we want to just talk about the uh, problematic scene at the moment <laughs> uh, when it rhyme with Wolf Maris? <laughs> I that was seriously when he came out he just goes oh, I stole a Rolf Harris CD, uh, tape and I just I, I laughed yeah, I, I was you were sitting there going I have no idea yeah and you're gonna have to explain this to the audience because no one yeah no one's gonna know what you're talking yeah. about uh, like, yeah well Nick I'm gonna let you explain hey look I've already <laughs> talked about the serious <laughs> shit why not go again so Rolf Harris was an entertainer he's an Australian entertainer who for many years I believe probably from the 70s most likely based on his age. Uh, he was a singer, he's a songwriter, and he's very famous. The most famous song he's ever done was uh, Timey Kangaroo Down, Sports of the Timey Kangaroo, Kangaroo Down, which is a very famous Australian song. Recently, he uh, has been accused of and charged with severe uh, rape allegations, child molestation allegations throughout his whole career. And it's similar to like the Jimmy Savile in the UK. He was basically our Jimmy Savile. So when, you know, Jimmy Savile died and everyone found out he was a pedophile. It was shocking. Rob Harris is still alive and he's now in prison for what he's done. So the fact that it's come up in a movie, and that's crazy how 10 years ago yeah. that joke still works because it's like, oh, Rob Harris is still a huge part of Australian icon. Uh, he's just a huge Australian icon. 
So yeah, it's the same deal. It's like you're saying, watching this movie in 2020, it's unfortunate that a lot of the and things it's also haven't aged well. Because it's Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush, Rush yeah, who is it. now quite he's gone through in the yeah. It's all still alleged with him, yeah, unfortunately. It's a bit we'll see. Quiet, it's yeah. quietened down because they haven't proven anything yet as much. But the you know what I mean. The it's, comparison that I used for Rolf Harris, so that you would understand, yeah. is he was essentially Alfred Rogers. For a lot of people, for yeah. a lot of people, yeah. our like for my parents' age and our age was he was Fred Rogers for Australia. Cause yes. We, um, so just in case you have noted, Australia never got Fred Rogers. So they the, didn't uh, get Mister Rogers. Yeah. So Mister Rogers never came to Australia. That's why a beautiful day. A lot of people it's, it's, have no idea, yeah, and yeah. why the trailers for a beautiful day, where they kind of go, there's something off about him, works here because we think it could be a better. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone in America is like, how dare you? Yeah. How and fucking then, dare you? And then our counter is, we've got Roll Paris. We, we don't. We've never had one of the good ones. Damn yeah. it, we don't know any better. We don't, so, like yeah. Jeffrey Rush was accused. Roll Paris. Like, yeah. Craig McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah. that's it's crazy. <laughs> so look, the fact that America has one of the good ones for once. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, yeah, you can take this. Like, yeah. let, us have one. let us have one. Let us have one. All right. Especially so, yeah. when it comes to the children. Okay. Yeah. So that's... Like, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't age well unfortunately so yeah. along so along with the Rolf Harris comments the Jeffrey Rush playing a Catholic priest who's chasing <laughs> down a boy who escapes a Catholic school <laughs> There's your plot right now. <laughs> and, and, and for Our 2020 I realized, rewrite of that movie. But I, realized, I didn't really give an example before of perpetuating stereotypes. There's actually a scene where it is played off comically that an Aboriginal man is stealing food yeah. and, and alcohol as well. Like, and, and alcoholism is actually a, is a big and very important issue in Aboriginal communities. Uh, with with the abuse of it so to have a scene where which obviously culturally it makes sense that to have a character who does that but to have it played for comedy is not what i would personally do is the way to go for it and which it, it just struggle i struggled to watch it for a lot of those reasons it's, too it's interesting that you guys have that kind of perspective on that scene because i don't have a lot of understanding mm. of that culture yeah. just because it's not yeah. it's just not no, something i fine, have yeah. experience with um for me, the way that I viewed that was more of someone um, who doesn't have anything, more of someone who's homeless yeah. doing it for yeah. laughs, which, which isn't much better. It's probably played for but that like, as well, to be honest. And I might be looking way too deep into it as part of it, but you're 100% right. Like it could be played for that sort of humor, which doesn't make which, it right. But yeah, but no, it's not any better. I just think it's interesting because I don't really have a a good lens yeah. of how to view that kind of culture when yeah. it comes to this kind of it's stuff. Right. Neither d- so, so <laughs> like, to be hundred percent fair, like white <laughs> Australia doesn't either. So, but yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's really, really interesting though. 10 years on to, to look at it and try to examine yeah. it. But the, there is something I want to talk about just before we wrap up this movie. And this scene just keeps getting better and better or worse and worse, depending <laughs> on your perspective. But the very pretty much climax of the movie where everyone finds out they're all related to each other. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's one old big family we, reunion. We where do it a little differently down under, I'll tell you that. You're like, can we just confirm we don't do it differently? <laughs> Sarcasm. I just want to say that the super, super white German kid 
Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> spoken about that. Like, oh, that, that, that's a whole German other podcast. And Missy, life. Missy Higgins. Missy Higgins has the line of the movie where she goes, "Oh, I'm Aboriginal too." And everyone, and everyone's just like. Oh, for fuck's sake, all right. Sure, you can be Aboriginal, why not? Okay, but the monologue leading up to her declaring that, where oh, she's like, I was terrible. in a sea of black faces, and yeah. I just remember being pulled, and I was like, what? It's like, yeah. Like, it sounds a bit... Yeah, it's a I, I bit. wouldn't say what I was going to say, but I was like, that's not where you want to be, like, saying you're a white woman mm. in a sea of black faces. Like, but but I'm just, I'm just going to say that uh, the German kid... Clearly did not get any of his mother's genes because <laughs> because I love that that scene is he's the crux of that scene though why like he's he's a minor major character you know what I mean but then like he is the revelation yeah. point of where everyone's like oh we're all we're like you like if this the- guy can be an Aboriginal <laughs> then everyone can it's the white German boy <laughs> god damn I like I I know you guys enjoyed this movie. But my first note here is Jesus Christ <laughs> and three dots. Because, again, and I'm going to use the same excuse I used with Leap Year. I watched this with my partner and she just got up 15 minutes in. And she's like, I've got to take the Christmas tree down. And I was like, okay, all right. I guess that's what we're doing when we're I've brand new day. I've watched all of these movies like by myself. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't, I can't subject. Because I, if I like it, I'll be like, I'll happily watch this again. And my partner can come and watch yeah. it with me. But right now I'm like, I need to do this by myself. <laughs> because value, I, can't, yeah. I can't be like held responsible. I'm just for, like, This movie's tension. terrible. I didn't make it. I'm only watching this because it's research. It's Sort of. I just, oh. I just want to say I'm gonna use the same thing I used for Leap Year and say this movie's not good. But yeah, it gave you everything you wanted. Like I don't know about that, but it definitely it gave me like I was at least like interested in what was going on. Like even if it wasn't good, I was like. I mean, I think I put it in the group chat while we were watching it. I was like, this is Footloose, but it's also like doing acid. And I'm yeah. not really sure. It's so frantic like, it's and like, fast paced. Like uh, it's an 80 minute movie and it flies oh, it by. by. Yeah. It feels yeah. like an episode and of a And they're just show. like, so, yeah. they're throwing music at you. Yeah. And they're throwing like weird, like almost love scenes at you. And they're yeah, throwing like <laughs> interesting drugs at you. Being like weirdly predatory. Yeah. And it's like that doesn't... <laughs> There's, yeah. And Magda Shabansky kind of being all Oh up. my god, Magda's in this. When she Magda turned up, I, I was just like, and oh like, my god. And it's also another thing because watching that in 2010 when I don't think her sexuality was. No, she uh, hadn't come out. She hadn't, yeah. no, no, no. So watching this. Yeah. And she's like hitting on the very aggressively coming on to Ernie Dingo and all like, you know, like Oh, out of nowhere like, too. Yeah. There's no it's it's like the joke is played that she's just attracted to mm-hmm. Aboriginal people, like, yeah. but they don't even uh, allude to that. So no. and it's like he just stole from your shop, but okay. Why not? It must be you know, hey, it's a lonely part of town. As soon as Dick walks in the door, you just gotta be like, oh, Get well, that D. This could Get be it. You know what? Yep. Oh, <laughs> yep. It's the only logical conclusion. Uh, yeah, I'll give that point. Yep. <laughs> I think we might just end that movie there. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, it's a, a uh, soft recommendation from uh, us. I mean, <laughs> I think you need to experience this one for yourself before forming I would any be sort intoxicated. Of, yeah, I would, I would have that. a couple yeah. drinks. And maybe. maybe watch it in a 2010 state. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. So turn off that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that PC Can't wait for the mindset. comments on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, cool. 
All right. Box office results for this weekend was number one, still Avatar with $42.7 million on its fifth week of release. Uh, I think that movie's going to make some money. I have a funny idea. It doesn't happen now. No, no, it really doesn't. Um, Number two, Book of Eli with $32.78 million on its first week of release. Uh, Interesting fact, Denzel Washington, outside of his films that he's directed... Has and outside of his films that he directed and Roman Esquire, that one that came out a couple of years oh, ago, yeah. every film of his has opened to over $20 million. Wow, at the US box did, office. Did Out of Time open? Oh, actually, I think that I was think the, Out of Time was that, like that his was the, one that was the one of, that didn't. No, sorry, I think you're that right. Was yes, the, the, the Dean Kane part of yes. the movie. <laughs> Somehow Dean Kane and Denzel Washington <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, Dean Kane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number three, Lovely Bones opened to 17 million on its. Technically, sixth week of release. Uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakle, uh, had $11.6 million on its fourth week of release. Sherlock Holmes with 9.8 on its fourth weeks. The Spy Next Door opened to $9 million on its first week. It's, compl- it's complicated at its $8 million on its fourth week. Leap Year dropped to 5.9 on its second on its uh, second week. Yikes. The Blind Side uh, had 5.5 on its ninth week of release and Up in the Air was the number 10 film with 5.45, meaning Daybreakers dropped out of the yeah, top, the top 10, 10 from the, from fourth. Youth in Revolt dropped from ninth. Yep. And Princess and the Frog dropped from 10th. Daybreakers yeah. dropping from four is That's crazy like, actually. Yeah. Cuz I know that they're, you know, it's standard that movies drop off. Yeah. But like to go from four to but like minimum yeah. 11. But like, and know? it's not like, but the thing is, it's not like number 10 was a huge grossing. Like, no. it, like number, uh, you know, it had, it, Daybreakers made 15 million last week and it doesn't even make more than $5 million. Yeah, that's, that's, that's rough. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, all right, let's move on to the major news stories. So, Marvel announced that their first their first film to ever be released in IMAX is Iron Man 2 in about 4 months. So, that's that's quite interesting considering pretty much from then onwards yeah. IMAX have had a deal with Disney everything gets released in IMAX, which yeah. is pretty incredible. And Iron Man 2 is it's always the one that a lot of people just don't really have yeah. the last opinion on. Nah, no, yeah. we'll get there. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we watched that this year. I thought I was 22. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Brian Cranston officially joins the cast of John Carter of Mars. Oh, yes. He eventually we... will leave this film. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll also drop from Mars. Yep. So, yeah. Doesn't he end up... Does he voice someone in that? He might not? voice... Uh, no, he did. He was a voice in Power Rangers, and that was big I news. I don't think he actually is in that oh, film okay. in the end. I'm pretty I sure he For some reason, out. I felt like he still was in it. But, yeah, I just remember John Carter of Mars being just massively hyped and like yeah. you know and it just yeah mm, it, it did not perform like taylor Kitsch, at all like oh man didn't have a, didn't stand a chance with his openings john uh, carter and battleship oh that's right oh yeah <laughs> um <laughs> and our last one we talked about it a little bit last week but sony officially scraps spider-man oh, a week four. a week later a week later <laughs> a week later spider-man 4 is officially scrapped uh, and yes. the reboot is announced for july 2020 like, Ma- and mark webb is already heavily rumored 2020 to sorry 2012 oh well. i was sorry. like wow they uh, 
They push that 10 years. Yeah. Um, they push it and then they're like, yeah, actually, we'll release it in 2012. Like it's crazy yeah. that we'll within a week they go, we're, gonna, we're possibly going to have Spider-Man 4 and Hathaway, John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Nah, we're all gone. We're going to get a brand, like, yeah. brand new one. Yeah. And at that point, I'm guessing Andrew Garfield no, and yeah. Stone hadn't even been a... No, so yeah. they weren't even announced. I mean, Mark Webb was bare, was, he, was heavily rumoured, yeah. but wasn't officially on board. That's or an interesting choice, hey, to go that early on to be like have him as the heavy rumor because had he only done 500 days or something 500 days had just come out yeah. um, okay, he, so he was hot he top, was hot 500, 500 days came out in september and at this point 500 days was still one of those bubble films of possibly getting an oscar nomination right okay so it's, so they wanted to try and tap it, yeah, yeah, yeah and it's one of those ones where they were like oh maybe we can get him early i mean you also got to remember that he, they had to come to, to fox with a deal like they had to make a deal with fox over getting mark because mm. they um he had a contract with fox over a, a three film contract and he w- and they had to actually make a deal and that's why mm. if you remember spider-man 2 had the post-credit scene for x-men oh, i don't know if you guys can remember yes, that they, yeah. they had like the scene for in days the, of future Past, yeah they yeah. had the scene in the hangar or whatever yeah that's there because of that deal. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's I know. I vaguely remember them talking about mm. that because it was very interesting to see. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the one where it was Mystique in the hangar. Yeah. It's, yeah. The scene in where Mystique gets the troops out of Vietnam. Yeah. And yeah, like it's, it's just quite remember. fascinating that the weird stuff studios <laughs> do. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's uh, is anything there step stand out outside of the Spider-Man news. Uh, I mean, not, not particularly. I don't think. Um, I think the, so the Spider-Man news kind of really overtook yeah. this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and rightfully so. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Oh, I know. I mean, I, like, can, I remember that. I still r- vividly remember that where it was mm. Tobey Maguire gone, Sam Raimi gone, Spider-Man 4. Like, it's brand new Spider-Man. And, and even then they were announcing we're redoing the, the origin. Like he's going to mm. be back in high school and the yeah. origin story is going to be told again. And just, I just even Ooh. then remember people Ooh. were just like, why? Which... Looking back on it now that we have Tom Holland, the fact that you wanted me to believe Andrew Garfield was in high school, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. like maybe just bump it up to first year of college, maybe, yeah. right? You know, because at like, least and, then and it's the like, stone, you go, you like, you do not look like a high school. Like <laughs> no. in that, in that, I remember in that movie when she came in, our part of me was just like, oh, she's like working at that. Fact, uh, the yes. s- yeah. science lab, or she's yeah. like a she's an or intern, or she's she like. A, I was yeah. like, oh, you're seven, seventeen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, especially considering this year Andrew Garfield plays a college student, and in two years he's meant to play a high school. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So work, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, quite interesting that. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, guess we'll just wrap this one up with the Australian release dates. Uh, so January fourteenth. Tooth Fairy opened a week before the US release, so we will talk about it next week. Uh, <laughs> and we finally, after seven weeks in, in being released in the US, got up in the air. I wow. remember that because I wanted to see that movie so yeah, badly right. and we finally actually got it for a release. Yeah. And then, of course, Brand New Day opened in Australia. So, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having us. Thanks. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome for putting you through the uh, the fun films that you get to watch. Wouldn't do it if I didn't love it, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's like, I very, very highly regret coming on this show. <laughs> no, because the, the movie that we're going to talk about next week, I hadn't seen and... 
And I'm glad I'm I, the only I, one who I, said I, controversial I like shit this episode. <laughs> I can't wait for my career to tank because yeah. of it. And uh, like next week, I'll probably be very much in the positive in certain aspects of certain movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've already watched the first hour of Tooth Fairy and I have some nice things to say. So, uh, you know, the only way is up. <laughs> All right, well, guys, we'll leave that one there. Um, next week, if you do want to uh, play along with us at home, we are watching Tooth Fairy, Legion, and Extraordinary Measures, which I've somehow got to try and find a copy of. So I think that's another Telstra box. Oh, great. All right, guys. Uh, until next time, where can the, uh, people find you online, guys? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RatedPDG or search me on Rotten Tomatoes. Might as well get my name out there. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Nick's Flix Fix. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Finally Tailored or Instagram at underscore Finally Tailored. Um, I mean, you can find links of both of our stuff pretty much anywhere. Yeah, so pretty much. <laughs> they're uh, plastered all over this channel. Yeah. Where can people find you on your own channel? Yeah, I don't um, know. <laughs> <laughs> and guys, you guys can find me at anywhere, basically at Jacob London. Uh, until next time, guys, my name is Jacob London, and we will see you then. Bye.